Welcome back to Detroit Strange. This podcast. That you're listening to. And that's Alex. That's Jess. Yay. How are you doing? Back from the dead. Yeah, you weren't feeling so good. Oh my god, I just like, I've never been sick like that before. It wasn't COVID according to my doctors. The test, I took a test, was not COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, It was just some other horrible, horrible illness. I was like couch ridden all week, just like alternating between like, like shivering so hard it felt like I was convulsing or sweating through everything I owned. Those were the two modes I was operating on. Oh no. Were there a lot of like either hot or cold showers? I think my record was I took three hot showers one day because it was just the best way to warm up my cold ass body. We live in Michigan, so I've definitely done that before, even not sick. <laughs> just yeah. To- feel alive so completely understandable yeah um i justified it by all the days that i know i did not take showers during quarantines <laughs> that's totally fair i'm like i'm just retroactively claiming that water mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah but mostly feeling better now i'm sipping on some peppermint tea to good choice keep me alert and going uh, mm-hmm. i felt it was also seasonally appropriate yeah. We are leaving spooky season behind and entering the Christmas season. We do not acknowledge the one in the middle. <laughs> well, spooky season will always be in our hearts, though. Year round. That's why I use the skull mug. Nice. Peppermint tea in a skull mug. Nice. I mean, Thanksgiving's okay. The foundations for which we celebrate it are stupid because they're inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Some of the side dishes are pretty darn good, though. So that's the only yeah. reason. And I do. I still like pumpkins, like even as a decor. I like that at least like there's a little bit of holdover. You know what I mean? Yeah. Tying everything together. Other than that, though, yeah, Thanksgiving isn't. In my top. <laughs> yeah, it's ranking holidays, we'll say. Like, it's a f- it's fine. It's just like, yeah. I think we were talking about this earlier. Like my family doesn't really do anything like crazy for it. Like my mom makes a Thanksgiving dinner, but she does it like two or three times a year. So it's like just the time we know what's gonna happen. So it's not surprise Thanksgiving. Okay. Yeah. Oh, surprise Thanksgiving would be even more fun though. I know. It's kind of just like she just like gets bored in the fall and like September, she'll be like, I'm making a Thanksgiving dinner. You better get your ass out here. I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's so cute. I love that. Yeah. No, I th- I think Thanksgiving is kind of like, uh, what's what's that one for? Huga? 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 Yeah. Huga. Like, it's kind of got that, hu- the beginning of Huga season. That's what I feel like it marks. Yeah, just cozy food. Mm-hmm. Just cozy. It is a cozy holiday. I'll give it that. Is that Sweden? Uh, yes. Wait, no, okay. Norway. No, Norway. Okay, Norwegian. Yeah. yeah. For anybody who doesn't know, it's it's basically the feeling of comfort. <laughs> Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like the Norwegian concept of comfort, especially in the winter, because their days are like four hours long there in the winter, so they have to find things to make them feel cozy and happy, despite the fact they don't see the sun for most of the day. I would struggle so hard. I'm struggling right now with the time change here and it getting dark at like 5 p.m. I'm like, what happened? Where'd it go? And then, you know, days like today, because it's very gray today. Yeah. It's snowing, too. It is, which this kind of, I don't mind because it's like a rain snow mix or whatever. So it's just like you look and see a little bit of the white fluffy on the ground, yeah. but it's not like horrible. And I don't, 
totally mind this, but I don't like what's coming. Yeah. As a result of it. So I'm like, oh, okay. I'm a bit, I like rain. Rain Rain's good. Happy, Rain's good. But, and I can take a light dusting. I don't want more than a light dusting ever though. That's fair. I see. I like snow. I don't mind it. Especially if like this year it's going to be like the best year for snow because of how little I have to leave my house, especially now that I have ship. Like, I'm never going to leave my house. And if I do, it's going to be on foot. I mean, that's fair. I need to leave my house sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's the part I'm not looking forward to. Because I've been doing, like, hikes and stuff like that. To Yeah. And I've never been a winter hiker. And I'm not sure <laughs> about it. Definitely exercise is harder in the winter. And that's one thing. Because, like, last... At the beginning of all of this quarantines, it was March, and my gym started doing virtual classes, which I just, like, would back my car out of the garage, close the garage, then turn on the space heater and just work out in there. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it worked out okay. But I also haven't been to the gym in a minute, so we'll see. I am confused. Are gyms even open now, or are they... They're closed. closed again. I think group yeah. classes are closed. I don't know. Like, because I think it was like theaters and gyms were kind of in the same level or whatever you want to call yeah. it. And I know like theaters can't be like movie no, theaters, theaters or no theater theaters. Open. Yeah. Uh, which I know a lot of theaters, like not movie theaters, but other theaters didn't choose to open anyway. Right. Because honestly, with the amount of people they could get in there, I'm sure. It Probably wasn't even, even worth it to put anything on. Which, that reminds me that Ringwald lost their space, which bums me oh, out. Oh, no. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. I don't know if they lost it or they gave it up, but either way, they do not have it anymore. I was reading about that, and I was like, that's sad. Hopefully they will come back after, because they always put on the best productions. They do. They have a lot of, you know, people who support them, so hopefully, yeah, they come yeah. back afterwards. I think there's a good chance. Yeah, I think so, too. That is prime real estate. Well, and not paying for it for yeah. this long when there's no nothing you can use it for. Right. Yeah. I feel like it might end up being like Boston Tea Room where they like ended up moving out of their prime real estate spot and finding an even better spot just a little mm -hmm. outside town. Because I feel like the Ringwald is something like kind of like Boston Tea Room where it's a destination where like yeah. you might just go there. Nobody just like pops in for a play like or yeah. very rarely i think is somebody walking by and like oh i happen to be here at the right time right i think i'll go sit for two hours and watch this thing like generally speaking it is a planned event for somebody so right and then they'd have like parking maybe and stuff too which i think is a huge advantage yeah. for a place like that uh and maybe even like a bigger house or something i don't know yeah yeah it could it could be it could end up good yeah. We'll put out we'll put out those good thoughts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is there anything else going on? No, I think I'm gonna put my Christmas lights up today, I think. I went to Target before this to get some Christmas lights because squirrels or rats chewed through my old ones, which was a oh, bummer. Rude. Yeah, it was hella rude. It was like a month into summer and I'd like, you know what? Screw it. I'm gonna put my Christmas lights up in the backyard. Who is she? She's different. She puts her Christmas lights up in summer in her backyard. Oh, those were your Christmas lights? Yeah, like the I little colorful ones. I did not put two ones. and two together. Okay. 
You told me yeah. about the rat. I remember that, but yeah, did not make that connection. It chewed through like an extension cord to like the power cord part of both or two strands of lights, and then I'm like, okay, well the third strand they were up high and connected to the one strand, so those should still work, and then they didn't. I don't know why. So I had to buy all new Christmas lights. That is just rude of that rat. Yeah, its days are numbered. If I see it punt it it was a big ass brat i'd see it sometimes i mean i don't condone animal cruelty so i cannot uh encourage it but i understand being a little annoyed yeah Um. i did i think i figured out where it was like nesting and Mm -hmm. i like sprinkled a bunch of red hot pepper flakes in the entrance then jammed a brick in it and then buried it oh god I was like, you will not get back into this home. No. They killed a lot of plants, too. Like, they were, like, mm-hmm. going underneath, like, some of my random vegetation plants that are, like, nondescript, tall grass-looking stuff. Okay, yeah. And it all died. I feel conflicted in this situation. Because, like, rats are actually kind of cool. I mean, first of all, they're, like, super intelligent. Like, yeah. way beyond many others in the animal kingdom, which is interesting. and. Like, I've known people who have had them as pets and things oh, like that. I don't hate but it is. I hate this one in particular. Yeah, no, I was going to say, but it... This one's an asshole. They can be a, a vermin, as it were. Yes. I mean, they're real cute, though, when they're dragging pizza. That is true. <laughs> have you seen... I'm, we're not going to talk about TikTok for 25 minutes, but have you seen there's um, and I've seen on TikTok and Instagram, there's a guy in New York who dresses as a rat and like crawls onto the subway. And he did actually get a giant piece of pizza that he was like dragging up the stairs in one video I saw. And like, people, oh, my God, like, everybody takes videos of him because he's a man dressed in a rat suit, <gasps> which actually too second part of that. Have you seen the Ratatouille, the musical TikToks? No, there's a Ratatouille musical? There is not, and everybody's trying to start one, and everybody is making up songs, costumes, they've made stage designs, there's a couple different playbill ideas floating around for it, uh, choreography, I've seen some dances, tons of like original written music, and a lot of people like duetting for like the different parts. It's, yeah. Are you interested? Because I'll send you some so you can, send me. You can get that so, onto yeah. your For You page. It's been a minute since I've seen some Ratatouille. Like, other than Kingdom Hearts, which I recently restarted playing. You know, because I think I've mentioned that I do love Ratatouille before. Yes, I remember I think, you, like, you love Ratatouille. Yeah. And I this came out of nowhere. It's kind of really cool because it's just a bunch of people. Like, one person, I think, I don't think I've seen the original video, but I'm assuming one person went on there and was like, shouldn't there be a Ratatouille musical? But all these people immediately started just getting on board. And it's so cool to see everybody just creating because it's something they want to do. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I almost want to cry just thinking about it. Tears of happiness because I'm like, that is so cool. And now there's actual talks like, um, I guess like Disney's actually gotten wind of it, and oh, of course, those sneaky um, Disney people, yeah, watching out for their intellectual property. Yeah, they're pretty bad about it. Uh, yeah. and then there's a couple other entities that would like be able to kind of actually make it happen that I've started seeing it. 
Mm-hmm. And apparently there's something on the Playbill. There's like a Playbill website and there's actually something for the Ratatouille. There's like there's a website where you can actually go and see all upcoming or proposed. Basically all the TikTok videos with all the ideas. Oh, nice. Like somebody somebody put them together. I haven't seen the website yet. I just saw that I saw a TikTok about the website. Yeah. <laughs> this was literally this morning and I saw it. So I would go to Ratatouille the musical. Legit. I would see it. And I get them. There's like one song that's like, I think one of the first ones. I get it in my head now. Huh. It's weird. Would you say that Ratatouille is your favorite like modern Disney movie? I'm going to say modern is like the cutoff like 2000 and later, like 2000s Disney movie. I'd say it's one of the top ones. They do kind of change a little bit. Like for a long time, it was like up, but then it became Coco. I haven't seen Coco yet. Oh my goodness. I have some tissues, but, but Coco, oh. I've heard great things. I really have to be in the mood for like that kind yeah. of like sweet. Like I know it's probably not like super sweet, but just kind of like, you know, like the. It's pretty sweet. I mean, but you right. would like it too because it still has, because it does have the, I mean, it's all about Day of the Dead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which there's a lot of interesting stuff within that, that I, I think they did a, a pretty decent job of it overall. And then, I mean, the character of Coco is just like the sweetest little nugget. Oh. Of a character. So I really, really like that one. I'm, now I'm going to say Coco and Ratatouille for okay. a tie. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I think that mine, kind of a basic pick, but Frozen. Oh, Frozen's really good. Actually, I just saw Frozen 2 for the first time this year, and I thought it was a... Uh, hold up. Frozen, just because it kind of flipped the script and where it wasn't the prince yeah. saving the princess and just like... Yep. Also an ice bitch that doesn't want to talk to anyone, like... What is more up my alley than that? <laughs> and Olaf is a really good character. Oh, see, if I I just put him outside. Oh, I love him though. It, he's actually better in the the second one. Okay, he's got some uh, more zingy kind of lines in the second one. I feel like. Okay. Okay. I watched it at the beginning of quarantine, so like my brain was. Yeah. Mushy and it still is. So I don't remember it, but Oh, I totally get it. Like this whole week when I was like flat on my back on the couch, just like dying. I just like I only want easy movies. I want like I watched mm-hmm. Best in Show, hilarious. Nice. A very Brady sequel. Didn't mess around, I went straight to the sequel. Yes. I think just because like I feel like I've had very big Jan Brady energy lately. Mm-hmm. Like, because she's always talking about her imaginary boyfriend, George Bass. Like, my boyfriend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I've just been like, my boyfriend. Yeah, but there's a difference because yours is an imaginary. Very true. I mean, I haven't met him because COVID, but yeah. he seems real in the photos. He is real. And he has a cat. Yes. He is real. He has a cat. That's the defining difference. His name is George Glass, though. It's not. I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that, I'm my boyfriend. I just love how she says it. I don't I don't know that actresses. I don't know. But she did do a really good job in both of them. And just the way she walks is Jan, just the swinging her uh-huh. head. So her hair is just like flipping around behind uh-huh. her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just the best crazy eyes. Just speaking of movies, though, last night for the first time ever, I watched nine to five. 
The first time ever? I don't know how I missed it because I love all three of them. Yeah. So much. I love the three of them together. I didn't even really know the premise of it. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't oh, know. no, it is a fantastic movie. I was so happy. I actually showed it to Jen for the first time, and now it's like one of her favorite movies, too. So it's just, it's so good. I don't know how I missed it. I was thinking about it recently because I also like the other thing was I binged like the first four seasons of Fresh Off the Boat this week. Mm-hmm. Like I literally just one day got on the couch at like 930 a.m., started watching season two. And then by the end of like hours later, I'm like, oh, my God, it's season three. What <laughs> happened? But they made they made a joke that there was a nine to five NES game. And I'm like, I had to Google it. I'm like, does that exist? I want that. And they're like, no, it doesn't exist. Oh, that would be fun, actually. They're, right. I could see levels developing. Right. Hey, video game developers, make that happen. Alex will play. Yes. Uh, I might even play. I feel like it's a game for the gays and the ladies, which we don't get many games. Mm-hmm. If it's a choose your own adventure, I'll play. Yeah. Because th- those ones I can handle. character. Mm-hmm. This is really embarrassing. I've been rewatching Gossip Girl. Exo <laughs> Exo Gossip Girl. It's hilarious. Firstly, although I did take a break last night to watch another documentary about the Nexium cult. You do love your cult documentaries. If they're well done, I'm more into like the true crime ones. But they have to yeah. be well. All of them have to be well done. A documentary that's like dry is hard to watch. We talked about Class Action Park, right? Did we? Yes. HBO yes. documentary about the water park. Yeah. Yes. In too. fact, I need to write it down because I want to watch that. Yeah. So anyway, I know that you are over there sipping on your peppermint tea. I'm over yes. here drinking a lavender latte. Delicious. <laughs> yes. I, it's cozy drink morning with the snow. So I'm I'm glad we both got that memo. <laughs> I was driving home like, I wish I had hot cocoa. And then I realized I... Half hot cocoa hidden away oh. somewhere from like last year's Christmas. I got it as a gift. I'm like, what the fuck? What am I gonna do with this? And then like, as I was driving home, I'm like, oh, I want hot cocoa. I have hot cocoa, so I think that's gonna be my treat once I finish my Christmas lights. I think it's a great idea. Which shouldn't take me long. It's just two strands. I've got like two strands of colored lights, some snowflakes, and then I got these like weird little branch steak things. Okay. Yeah. Sounds perfect. Sent you a picture when it's done. Well, while you're sipping on that cozy drink, would you like to hear a story? Yes. So I did this story right after you did your Zug Island story, but I've been waiting just to give it a little space. Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit of a road trip that comes back around to Detroit, and it is the sinking of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Yes. Because I realized I didn't really know much about it other than it was a large boat that sank and there's a song. <laughs> And a museum that I've been to and still don't know much about it because <laughs> I was a child. So, originally, the actual vessel itself was designed and constructed by Great Lakes Engineering Works, also known as Glue. <laughs> in, River, <laughs> in River Rouge. And they were hired by Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, to do so. Okay. So, she was named after the president and chairman of Northwestern Mutual, Edmund Fitzgerald. Okay. So real person. Uh, Edmund's such an unfortunate name. I feel like it's an in older times. Oh, definitely. 
It wasn't. I hope that there's no babies out there being named Edmund today. Yeah, because we're also talking like this is the 50s. Yeah. But yeah, I don't I don't know any Edmonds. Me neither. Usually most Eds, I think, are Edward. Yeah. No. Edwin sometimes. Edwin. That sounds more British. Yeah. Edwin. Edwin, can you come here? I just want them to succeed in life. Yes. (laughs) Edwin. You better win. Ed. That sounds somebody who goes to, like, Yale. Yeah. Yeah. Edwin Flufferbottom. (laughs) I know him. Ugh. He was on the rowing team. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, at the time of its construction, it was worth $7 million, which okay, damn. today would be, I believe this is, I don't know how to read numbers, $9,048,380.28. That was a lot of very big numbers. So like $9 million. Yeah. Uh, it launched on June 7th in 1958. With more than 15,000 people watching. And at that time, it was the largest ship on the Great Lakes. Nice. But during its initial launch was maybe also where the first misfortunes started. Oh, no. When Elizabeth Fitzgerald, so Edmund's wife, tried to christen the ship with a champagne bottle, you know, like they do in the movies. Yeah. It took her three attempts. She couldn't break it. And then this was followed by a 36-minute delay while the shipyard crew had trouble releasing the keel blocks, which are like the things that hold it in place. Then the ship launched sideways, created a large wave that covered the spectators in water, and then crashed into a pier before it straightened its route. (laughs) Go home, boat, you're drunk. (laughs) Uh, It's all that champagne. Yeah. What a waste of champagne, too. I know. I always thought that was really silly. I get like... People using it to toast? Like, just, like, pop the cork at the boat and drink the champagne. Can't we, like, christen it with rose petals or something? I don't know. <laughs> something yeah. more visually representative? I don't know. Confetti cannon? Y- yeah. A pinata. Just smash a pinata against it. Ooh, that's the sound of confetti yeah. falling for some reason. <laughs> this was followed by, like, a nine-day of trial at sea. Mm-hmm. And a little bit about the boat, just to give you a visual. It was 729 feet long. Damn. 75 feet wide, 39 feet deep, mm-hmm. and weighed 13,632 tons. Damn. I'm always surprised to hear how much boats weigh and they still float. I know. I know. But it's all that science. <laughs> all that science. All that science stuff. So she earned the title of, quote, Queen of the Lakes. Well, she's going to have to rip it out of my cold, dead hands. <laughs> that is until another 730-foot ship was launched in 1959. So one oh. foot longer. Just like the pettiness. I know. Who does that? It's like buildings. They always yeah. do that with buildings. They're like, we're going to add an 20-foot spire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so... Th- through the years, she had all sorts of upgrades. So, like, her coal was changed to oil boilers. Diesel power thruster was installed in 69 and some other, like, small things along the way to still make her fabulous. hmm But what was really impressive was actually how luxurious she was. Ooh. So she was furnished with J.L. Hudson Company Design Furnishings. Ooh, the luxury. I literally wrote, <laughs> ooh-la-la. 
<laughs> She's got the good stuff. Mm-hmm. No maker's mark. A few, yes. A few of the accoutrements that she had was deep pile carpeting, which I'm Ooh. not really sure what that is, but it sounds lush. Um, also a bad idea for a boat. Who wants thick carpet on a boat to get wet and just squish? Well, I think this know? is like the inside part, like the loungy. I don't True, know. But, but like, it's also a boat. I mean, you hope that water doesn't get in there. Well. I think on the interior. Because that's a bad sign. To quote my aunt, if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but she also had tiled bathrooms, so there you go. That one makes sense. Okay, for the that water. makes sense. Uh, drapes over the portholes, ooh, and leather swivel chairs. Ooh, I can approve of that. You can wipe that off with the towel. <laughs> she had guest rooms, a large galley, fully stocked pantry that supplied meals for two dining rooms. Ooh. So even though she was like meant to you know take stuff back and forth essentially they made her like user friendly uh a quote from a guest states stewards treated the guests to the entire vip routine the cuisine was reportedly excellent and snacks were always available in the lounge a small but well-stocked kitchenette provided the drinks once each trip the captain held a candlelight dinner for the guests complete with mess jacketed stewards and special clam digger punch Ew. I'm not sure what that is. I don't think there's actual clams in it, though. It's the 50s. They were wild and back then, so yeah. there may have been clams. I'm not going to lie. I did think I tried to look it up, but I'm going to see if I can really quick. Nope, it's totally here. It's basically, from what I can tell from food52.com's website, vodka, clamato juice, which... Has clam and tomato. It does, yeah. So I was wrong. Uh, Worcestershire, 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 Worcestershire. I don't know. I always say it wrong too. Yeah. Well, it's got the. It's got like an extra e. Yeah. Anyway, it's. I think it's Worcestershire, but not with a ch sound. Worcestershire. Worcestershire. That sauce stuff that people yeah. put on steaks. That's what I'll call it. Some celery seed, Tabasco sauce, lemon, dried dill black pepper um and apparently two shocked little neck clams with juice so basically it's the um, dark sided it's a bloody mary but with clamato instead of tomato juice yeah i don't know why they called a punch though to just fool people just to trick them into yeah. drinking their dirty clam water well this this the food 52 recipe i will say it doesn't say punch on it it just says clam yeah. bigger so i don't who knows? But it could be that. Yeah. So her nickname through the years, because she had a few, were Fitz, Pride of the American Side. Okay. Might Fitz. <laughs> Toledo Express. Big Fitz. <laughs> and the Titanic of the Great Lakes. Oh, no. Yeah, that doesn't bode well. The last well. one came too true. Yeah. So her average trip was usually between Wisconsin and Detroit. It usually took about five days, and she averaged about 47 or so trips per season. Okay. By the time she sank, it's estimated she had logged 748 trips and covered more than a million miles, or about 44 trips around the world. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
The captain's name was Peter Pulser, a.k.a. DJ Captain. Oh. Mm -hmm. He was known for playing music day or night over the ship's intercom while passing through at St. Clair and Detroit Rivers, like passing areas. Yeah. He would often entertain spectators at the Sioux Locks, uh, which is between like Superior and Huron, by -hmm. making commentary about the ship. So he'd just get on his little loudspeaker and be like, the big fits is coming. Damn, that's a nice ship. Yeah. <laughs> you see that ship? Basically, that's kind of the gist of it, I think. I think he, he just that. talked up that ship. And people really, really love to watch it. Like, if they knew it was coming, they would actually, you know, go head out and kind of look for a DJ captain. Yeah. For 17 years, it carried, I think it said taconite iron. Or, okay. or tassonite, it's T-A-C-O-N-I-T-E, maybe tassonite, iron ore, between Duluth, Minnesota to Ironworks in Detroit, Toledo, and other port cities. Uh, she set a seasonal haul record six times, so Ooh. kind of a big deal. And many times she actually beat her own record. In 1969, she received a safety award for eight years of operation without a time off work injury. Nice. Mm-hmm. And... Later that year, she ran aground, and in 1970, she collided with another ship. So, I think... Cursed. Yeah. Jinxed it. Yeah. Later in 1970, she also hit the wall of one of the locks. Oh, no. And she repeated this action in 1973 and 74. Go home, fetch your drunk. Uh-huh. Too much clam digger punch. Yeah. In 1974, she also lost her original bow anchor in the Detroit River. Damn. But for a ship like her, none of these were actually considered serious or unusual. Yeah. On her final voyage, she was carrying a full cargo of ore pellets, and Captain Ernest M. McSorley uh, was in command. So this is the second captain. Mm -hmm. I believe this was the second captain. This was supposed to be his last voyage before retirement. Uh, Isn't that a bummer? He just had to make it one more time and then it would have been someone else's fault. It's such Damn. a bummer. But hey, at least history remembered him. Yeah. So she set sail from Superior, Wisconsin on the afternoon of November 9th, 1975, and was headed towards a steel mill, as mentioned in the Zug Island episode, because it was Zug uh-huh. Island. And they actually joined up with a second freighter called the SS Arthur M. Anderson. So, you know, they could talk to each other over the um, system and everything like that. And by the next day, so November 10th, they were both caught in a really terrible storm on Lake Superior. The winds were near hurricane force and waves were up to about 35 feet. Damn. Mm -hmm. Just after 710, the ship stood in Canadian waters that were about 530 feet deep. So a very, a very deep part of Lake Superior. And that's apparently 88 fathoms. Good to so know. now I understand a little bit more about the Little Mermaid. Yeah. And those fathoms below. I couldn't even fathom it before this. Oh, but I, nah. Oh, uh... <laughs> so this happened about 17 miles from Whitefish Bay near the cities of Sault Ste. Marie in Ontario. The ship could have covered the distance between these two cities in about an hour at top speed. However, obviously in a storm, that's not not possible. And the Edmund Fitzgerald was said to have reported to the other ship, 
I have a bad list, lost both radars, and I'm taking heavy seas over the deck. One of the worst seas I've ever been in. Damn. Yeah. But there were no distress signals sent out before the ship actually sank. The last message was sent to SS Arthur M. Anderson boat at 710, so only a few minutes later, and it said, We are holding our own. Here's the weird thing. The captain's name on the Anderson was Jesse Cooper. <laughs> oh, no. I wasn't there. And he was in contact with the Coast Guard and made it to Whitefish Point sometime after 8 p.m. with no sign or word from the Fitzgerald. Later, the Anderson made its way back into the storm to search for the ship, but only found a pair of lifeboats and some debris. There are some tapes of Jesse Cooper corresponding with the Coast Guard. No one of the crew of 29 were ever recovered, and the actual cause of the ship sinking is still unknown to this day because there was no messages taken or anything like that in reference to what was actually happening other than the water going onto the deck. Many studies and expeditions have been done, but there's no conclusive evidence. It could have been swamped, the water thing. Yeah. Faulty cargo hatches. Oh, no. It had some structural kind of failure, topside damage experienced something called wave shoaling or been a combo and i had to look up wave shoaling because i was like i don't know those words and wave shoaling is when surface waves enter shallower water and they change in wave height interesting yeah there's a lot of charts and like scientific things uh if you're more interested and look it up because it is a little hard to visualize that uh but that was the easiest way to kind of condense all yeah so some people even believe it was aliens. I mean, prove me it wasn't. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> so the sinking led to changes in Great Lakes Shipping Company regulations and practices. They started making it mandatory to have survival suits, depth finders, positioning systems, increased freeboard, which is the distance from the water to the upper deck, and some more frequent inspections of ships. Mm-hmm. And the U.S. Navy and Coast Guard used planes and cutters with magnetic anomaly detectors, side scan sonar, and sonar uh, survey to find the wreckage. On May 20th, 1976, the ship was spotted 535 feet deep. Since then, only a handful of people have been able to see the two parts of the wreckage because it kind of cracked, I guess. Yeah. And in 1995, a pair of divers made their way down. And in that same year, the bell was retrieved by a crew along with the help from the Canadian Navy and the National Geographic Society, Sony, and the Sault Ste. Marie tribe of Chippewa Indians. What an eclectic group. Yeah. They retrieved it on behalf of the families of those who were lost. And the names of the crew were engraved into it and it's placed at the Great Lakes Shipwreck Museum. And since then the Canadian government has prohibited access to the site because again it's kind of in the Canadian side of the water. Stay out, eh? <laughs> yeah, eh. Every year on November 10th, there is a memorial ceremony held at the Great Lakes Shipwreck Museum at Whitefish Point. The bell will toll 30 times, 29 for the crew and one more for the estimated 30,000 mariners lost on the Great Lakes. Damn. Which is a lot. That is a lot. That's so many. They're big waters. Yeah. One other thing about it. There was a song written about it called The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. It's about six minutes long. It was written in 1976. And it was written after reading an article in Newsweek about, I believe, when they spotted it initially. Mm-hmm. It reached number two on Billboard's Hot 100 in 1976 and was Gordon Lightfoot's second most successful hit. Okay. Which I did bring it up. 
We'll just listen to a few seconds. Cause because why not? Let's yeah. let's do it. And later that night when the ship's bell rang, could it be the north wind they've been feeling? if there is a chorus actually <laughs> oh wait wait here's where it picks up the wind and the wires made a tattletale sound and the wave broke over the railing <laughs> so basically it is literally the exact story and i think did he just like take the news article and put a tune to it Kinda, yeah. I do remember. That's why it's so long, is because it literally is the story of what actually happened. And it made the number two on the Billboard. Yeah, it was a big deal. And actually, there's been. A, I remember one time when I was a kid, I actually saw there was some teacher who had their kids like draw it out. <laughs> so they each took a line and drew that line, and then they put it around the room. So you could like visually see through via children's drawings. Love that. It's a weird style of song. I'm gonna tell you a story line by line. Gonna tell you, gonna oh, tell you exactly you what happened. <laughs> yeah. But it's a very unique uh yeah, yeah. songwriting format. So I think yeah. it was a pretty big news piece you know what i mean yeah yeah both when it happened and then also when they found the wreckage and i think there was also again we're talking 1976 i'm sure they didn't have the technology that we have now so i'm sure there was like a a bit more of a struggle to find it Mm -hmm. so i think it kind of made some decent coverage for its time and that is the story that you can either listen to Gordon Lightfoot's song <laughs> and basically hear probably most of the same things. I bet you he doesn't mention J.L. Hudson, though. Mm-mm. Or Jesse Cooper. Or Jesse Cooper. <laughs> or the Clam Digger Punch. Mm-mm. True. Yeah. We'll have, we have our own flair here. Uh, what a, what a yeah. charming she shanty. Yeah. Is that, is that the bird shanty? That's that a story? Shanty's a thing know. that goes on, a, on ice. Oh. That's a, the little house that you ice fish out What a of. lovely sea store story. What a, lo- <laughs> what a lovely lake story of... I guess it wasn't lovely because a lot of people died, but... Mm-hmm, what, a, what a tale. What a tale of the Great Lakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I just realized I didn't actually know what happened yeah. to that Edmund you know, Fitzgerald. I just knew it was a big boat that sank with some people on it. You hear the name a lot, and it's like, I don't know... Are they on Spotify? Like... Just Edmunds Fitzgerald. I'm like, wait, what? Is that a ship? Is that a song? Oh, like, you, like, know. you know it's a thing, but you don't know where to yeah, place it. Yeah, I didn't it. have yeah. context. Yeah. I was raised knowing of its existence, but I didn't, I've never known anything actually about it. So yeah. I feel I needed, I needed to know more. I needed to actually understand what happened. And it, I mean, it's very tragic and sad that yeah. it happened. I'm glad they were able to get the bell. And yeah. at least do something. It is interesting, though, that they have that yearly ceremony, too, because I was thinking about it. It's interesting when things like that happen, because it's kind of like a, a vigil for those who are lost. Yeah. But as we get farther and farther away from it, that becomes like a less personal yeah. vigil. And it, then it just becomes like a tradition, I guess. Yeah. So I don't know. 
Yeah. I'm interested to see where it'll be like in 30, 40 years. Yeah. That'll be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come on down to Belfast. <laughs> We're going to ring it. confused with the city of mm-hmm. Belfast. <laughs> but I bet they do keep doing it. Yeah. Oh, I hope they do. Like the history of those kind of things are interesting to me. Uh, yeah. Kind of like in the it, when we talked about Houdini, we talked about um, now people hold the yearly seance and stuff and like his wife, yeah. you know, did, and there's still people. His wife stopped doing it well a long time ago, but people still hold that, which is just yeah. interesting. That is. My sources were mostly Wikipedia.com and then I think the Great Lakes Shiprock Museum. Well, thank you for the story. Yeah. Thanks for listening. You have earned yourself a two truths and a lie. I love that. I was hoping. Yeah. I'm very quite surprised. Um, shocked. <laughs> shocked. Shocked. Mm-hmm. Well, here are some Thanksgiving facts. That's what I thought it would be. Yeah. As much shit as I talked, I'm like, well, let's at least get some facts. Yeah. No, I think that's good. Fact number one. Mm-hmm. Thomas Jefferson refused to declare Thanksgiving a holiday. Fact number two. The first Macy's Day Parade was in 1924 and didn't have balloons. Instead, they had people dressed up in animal costumes to walk in the parade. Fact number three. The same person behind Mary Had a Little Lamb also convinced Lincoln to make Thanksgiving a national holiday. Oh, wow. You're going real hard here. Thanksgoodhousekeeping.com. Wow. Yeah. Um... Oh my god, this is so hard. I don't know which one to choose. I'm going to go with number three being the lie. That is true. Dang it. I was hoping yeah. it was a different song. No, she she ran a magazine too, apparently, and she convinced Lincoln, hey, make it a national holiday. So. Um, okay. Uh, let's go with number two. Being the lie. Number two is the lie. Okay. So they didn't have balloons, but they didn't have people dressed up as animals. They had animals from the Central Park Zoo walking in the parade. (laughs) As you do. Wow. Isn't that fucking bonkers? Yes. That sounds dangerous, actually. It sure does. It sounds... The Roaring um, Twenties. Literally. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> Thomas Jefferson. Lion. Yes. Uh, Thomas Jefferson did refuse to declare it a national holiday. I guess back in the day you had to declare it every year a holiday. And Thomas Jefferson was like, nah. He thought the prayer and religious part violated the First Amendment. And he also thought it was more of like a mm-hmm. states thing. Like states can do what they want and not do anything national. Well, he isn't wrong about the First Amendment thing. Yeah. I have some fun facts, too. Oh, good. Good. Is one of them about pardoning turkeys? Because <laughs> now I'm curious about pardoning turkeys. There was a fact on there. I didn't write it down, but it was like, pardon turkeys go on to live a full and long life. Mm-hmm. I just want to know why that started. Yeah, I didn't say why it started. It just kind of like, it is a weird tradition. Exactly. <laughs> this one turkey. Yeah. This whole holiday, like, these fun facts, too. So the first TV dinners were because of Thanksgiving. Due to an excessive turkey order at Swanson's, 
1953, a Swanson employee accidentally ordered a colossal shipment of thir- Thanksgiving turkeys, 260 tons to be exact. And to deal with the excess, a salesman took inspiration and came up with the idea of filling aluminum trays with turkey and some sides and selling them for 98 cents. Wow. Yeah, they were a hit. So Interesting. Good job, Swanson man. Yeah. Roosevelt, FDR, that Roosevelt, moved Thanksgiving from the fourth Thursday to the third Thursday to give another week of holiday shopping to boost the economy. I also don't understand why it's on Thursdays, though. Yeah, I don't either. Like, wouldn't it be, make more sense if it was, like, Friday? Friday? And then... But now we have Black Friday. Yeah, but then there it could just be, I like, still Black Saturday. Off, yeah, that's true. That's very true. Because it affects the retail industry, obviously, the most, and a lot of the retail industry works Saturday anyway. Right. It's um, oh. real dumb. I'm yeah. salty because I don't get Black Friday off. Um, yeah. I also think Black Friday is real stupid. And it is. It, especially this year. I mean, I've seen a lot of things are going online for this year, which, thank God, but I'm nervous about Black Friday this year. I mean, I'm not going out. Don't, Fuck that. I was going to say, nobody go out, please. Just use your use your computer. I mean, like, just don't go out the for The deals anything. will probably be better online anyway. Honestly, I think Black Friday deals are just okay a lot of the times. There hasn't been anything lately where it's like... <clears throat> So they blow got, me away. Yeah, they've gotten worse. I feel like yeah, they because they got dangerously good for a while, where people yeah. were literally trampling other people. To and death. I feel yeah, that was. I would not. I, All for like a freaking TV, like again. No, not a fan of this holiday. Yeah, I can't. Also, it's too much and the energy. Yeah, the energy of a crowd like that. Ooh, ugh, bleh. Uh, let's celebrate how thankful we are and then go trample each other trying to get the best deal. Yeah, like, I don't what? gotta. Also, this is kind of interesting. Black Friday is the busiest day for plumbers. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Just let that one sink on in. Literally sink. <laughs> yep. Right in. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, we all know Thanksgiving terrible origins, where like you know European settlers came in and mm-hmm. wiped out the native people. But I did there was there was a fact about it that since 1970, people have gathered on the last Thursday, of November, at the top of Coles Hill, which overlooks Plymouth Rock, to commemorate the National Day of Mourning. Similar events take place in other parts of the country. To remember that even as European settlers fled to the North America to escape persecution in their own country. Their arrival heralded unspeakable loss for Native people that still continues today. Aww. And that was a direct quote from Good House, the Good Housekeeping article. Mm. Well, that, so. I didn't know about that. That is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Does that wrap us? I think that wraps us. Are we wrapped up like, like a Swanson? <laughs> yes. Swanson. We are meal. wrapped up and ready for you whenever you want to listen. We are in our tinfoil Wait um, for you to put things. us in the microwave or the oven. But not in the foil. Oh, no. You don't put metal in the science oven. No. Uh. But if you want to follow us on our social media, you can follow us at Detroit Strange on Instagram and Twitter, Detroit Strange on Facebook, and our email address, DetroitStrange at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you want to help the show out, uh, please rate, subscribe, review. It really does help a lot when we get those things. And we also have a Patreon. 
uh, or we have a Threadless shop. Yeah, all great ways to support the show. Mm-hmm. I think. Until next time. Until next time. Stay, Stay strange. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was created by Detroit duo Sax and Violence. Mm-hmm.